0: Hey, Rockheads, put down that can of hoot and listen up. It's time for another stellar episode of .NET Rocks, the internet audio talk show for .NET developers with Carl Franklin and Richard Campbell. This is Lawrence Ryan announcing show number 466 with guest Anf Bela Subramaniam, recorded live Tuesday, June 30th, 2009. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter. And now offering .Net Nuke video training with Chris Hammond from Engage Software on DVD in our TV style. Order your copy now at www.franklins.net. Support is also provided by Telerik, combining the best in Windows forms and ASP.NET controls with first-class customer service. Online at www.telerik.com. And by Code Magazine, the leading independent magazine for .NET developers. Online at www.code-magazine.com. And now, the man who says, I want to change the world, where can I download the source? Carl Franklin! Mr.
1: Campbell, Mr. Campbell! Time for another stellar episode of Dining Rocks, Mr. Campbell. I'm really sad, i shopping all my pencils. I'm shopping all your pencils, and i warm down a little loves. I need another box of pencils. I'm going to go out and buy some, Mr. Campbell. Oh, my goodness. Sorry for the surreal introduction there. I just was in the mood. <laughs> it's Thursday. <laughs> What's up? Uh, well, you know, I figured we let's do a show. What the heck? Okay. Uh, it's not all fun and games. For example, better know a framework. <laughs> So, you remember on Tuesday when you read that email about the guy who said, I missed a timer. There's three timers in the .NET framework. Right, right. The guy from Zimbabwe. System Timers Timer and System Windows Forms Timer, and he found System Threading's Timer. Right. I found yet another timer. Oh, no. (laughs) What's this one? This one is in System Windows Threading. It's the Dispatcher Timer class. Oh, interesting. So, the Dispatcher in System Windows, in WPF, is sort of, um, well, you can use the dispatcher to do the, the cross-threaded UI threading stuff that you do with iSynchronize invoke in uh, Windows Forms. So it sort of plays that, it can play that same role. So right. this is a timer that's integrated into the dispatcher queue, which is processed at a specific interval of time and at a specified priority. So here's the remarks. The dispatcher timer is reevaluated at the top of every dispatcher loop. Timers are not guaranteed to execute exactly when the time interval occurs, but they are guaranteed not to execute before the time interval occurs. Right. So you might go long, but you won't go early. This is because dispatcher timer operations are placed on the dispatcher queue like other operations. When the dispatcher timer operation executes is dependent on the other jobs in the queue and their priorities. If a system timer's timer is used in a WPF app, it is worth noting that the system timer's timer runs on a different thread than the user interface thread. In order to access objects on the user interface thread, it is necessary to post the operation onto the dispatcher of the user interface thread using invoke or begin invoke. A dispatcher timer will keep an object alive whenever the object's methods are bound to the timer. So there's an example here That creates a dispatcher timer that updates the contents of a label and calls the invalidate requery suggested method on the command manager. And uh, it just its a couple of lines of code. So there's yet another timer.
2: That's amazing.
1: Do you know of still another timer in the .NET framework that we haven't covered? Should we go for five? Absolutely. All right. If you call in with a fifth timer... Uh, will send you a hoodie. Ooh. How about that? A .NET Rocks hoodie. Yeah. That's coveted. That's rare. <laughs> Richard, you got an email?
2: I do indeed. This one's from a little while ago, but it mused me, so I thought I'd read it to you. The subject line, six normal form is for wimps. Oh, man. <clears throat> Hi, guys.
1: This normalization is evil.
2: Normalization is terrifying. It's not necessarily evil. Can be. Hi, guys. Just listened to show 447, and that was the database one with uh, Peter and Adam. If I'm honest, when I saw the title, my heart sank a little because I'm not really interested in databases beyond what I absolutely have to know for my day job. That said, I think the show degenerated into a great show. By the end of the show, I was really getting into it, but the four of you only scratched the surface. I think that the show could have benefited from being three hours long in order to go into all the little nooks and crannies that you know you just skirted over. Tell us more about TempDB. What's it for, other than read committed snapshot isolation? What's this log shipping stuff, and should I as a developer care? (laughs) What's the difference between merge and transactional replication? What's a materialized view, and how does it differ from a regular view? Please get Peter and Adam back for multiple shows in quick succession as possible, and pick up where you left off. Give them a rule, though. If they say, it depends, please make sure that they qualify exactly what It depends upon, after all, that's a little detail that we all want to hear, right? Yeah. In my wish list of questions above, I deliberately left out a topic. It's pretty huge. It can be a show into itself. Database refactoring. In my decade as a programmer, I've seen some pretty hairy databases, and one problem that always seems to be prevalent is how on earth do you improve them? Typically, there's one big DB with lots of apps that sit on top of it. Making a change to improve quality for one app breaks another app, so the DB stagnates. How do you get around this? Assuming that building a layer of stored procedures is not feasible, what are the alternatives? Abstract all real tables behind views? Cheers, Damian Powell. And he's from the UK. Well... What do you think? Should I answer these questions?
1: Uh, Not now. No. We got a show to do. I'm sorry.
2: Yeah. And this is, you're right. This is several shows worth of stuff. Well, or a good blog post. Maybe more than that. The problem is that, yeah, these are big topics. You're right. and, And not everybody's interested in them. And they may not be important to all folks. And dang it, we're not actually a sequel show. Right. Boy, wouldn't it be great
1: if we had a sequel show? What
2: a great idea. I like that idea a lot. Somebody should do that. We should do that.
1: Yes. Yeah. Our guest today is Ananth Balasubramaniam. He was born in 1979 in Mumbai, India. He grew up with a love for science fiction. Three laws of robotics, anyone? Computers and artificial intelligence have always fascinated him, and when he was first introduced to computers, he simply fell in love with them. He started programming with BASIC and quickly moved on to Pascal. He went through many versions of Pascal till Delphi, and then it was off to .NET and C Sharp. His passion for graphics has led him from demo development to game development to game engine design to character animation techniques to medical imaging to GPU-based medical imaging to general-purpose computations on GPUs and television graphics. In short, he loves anything to do with GPUs and their utilization in new and novel ways. Welcome to the show, Ananth. Thanks for having me. So, um, we haven't done a show on GPU utilization, and somebody just sent us an email about that.
2: Absolutely, yeah. I mean, it yeah, the timing was purely coincidental because I, of course, booked Ananth a while ago. But, yeah, yeah, folks are very interested in this. We all have this processor in our machine I think we're underusing. Uh, but, Ananth, tell us the story. How did you get here?
3: Um, well, I started working with uh, video cards since way back, you know, when, when we had um, TNTs, and they could just do texturing and stuff like that. What, I, what really piqued me about GPGPU was back in uh, the GeForce 2 days, when you have registered combiners and you could actually use them to to program mathematical functions. They were itty-bitty little ones, but you could actually program them, and that was pretty cool. Then I got my first taste of uh, shaders and never looked back since. I, I, I think the GPU, the solution to data parallel programming is the GPU kind of programming model, and I think it solves a lot of problems for everybody if you have a lot of number crunching to do. So that's where I come from.
1: Yeah, so you must love WPF.
3: <laughs> I do. I do. I love the programming model and I love the declarative approach. And well, there are some uh, some things about WPF that I couldn't do. I, I really wanted to write a uh, Brahma dot uh, WPF, you know, to generate uh, shader effects, but that didn't come out quite right because it's a lot of stuff that's not exposed in the shader effect API.
1: Okay, so what is Brahma?
3: Okay, um, Brahma is basically a uh, library that helps you utilize GPU for normal computations, and it actually had two versions. The older one uh, relied on um, decompilation of IL and converting to HLSL or GLSL, whichever runs on your processor, and the newer one basically uses link syntax to transform a query into a data transformation, which then runs in your GPU, so... Essentially, it's a um, link to GPU provider. You could kind mm-hmm. of say that.
2: Okay, so the tricky bit here has gotta be what kind of piece of work will that GPU do for you? Like what kind of thing should you feed it that would be that would execute well?
1: Yeah, I mean, can you do any kind of math computations?
3: Well, you can do computations that that typically fall under a gather problem, which means you can you can read a lot of data. You can you can you can take lots of pieces of data, assemble them together, but you can't really do unordered writing, which means you can't say, you know, I have this temporary variable and I want to increment it and I want to store that here, stuff like that. It's not a CPU. So you need to do computations that are performed the same way millions of times and that works.
1: Okay. So so something that's data intensive and that's why graphics seem to work really well. Right. I'm, I'm trying to get a
2: for instance in my head here, type, type of sort of business problem that this would go on.
3: Okay, um, for example, you, you wanted to perform a uh, large FFT, right? A, a fast Fourier transform. Oh, yeah. Okay, that's pro- the that, problem that really fits well to Brahma. And there are other problems like, uh, for example, image processing or uh, computational physics like fluid, fluid dynamics or thermodynamics. So, stuff like that.
1: Or how about video rendering?
3: Uh, video encoding. Video encoding is possible. Video rendering would primarily be decoding, and Brahma can do that, but then there's a lot of nonlinear bits, actually, that really happen, you know, a lot of data transfer. GPU is not really good at doing stuff like that.
1: You know what uh, uses Fast Fourier Transforms is the noise reduction profile uh, protocol that we use uh, when Uh we're processing the show. I mean... What people do not hear is the raw telephone tracks that have all the noise in them and the microphone tracks with the background noises in there, you know the fans in the booth we you know I'm in a recording booth, and we have a fan in here, and it does add noise. So we use this algorithm in uh Adobe Audition, the software that we use to produce the show to re- and I use it in the studio to produce music too, to reduce the background noise, and essentially what it is is it's like a huge noise gate broken up into. It breaks up the audio spectrum into you know eight, thousand bands or something like that, and then each one is an individual noise gate on every sample, so it has to it has to churn through a lot of data and with a fast Fourier transform so that's the kind of thing that would map really well to a GPU yeah well and the, and the interesting point here is everybody's got one
2: now, right? I mean, it's basically if you're running Vista. You pretty much have to have a decent GPU in your machine, right? So it just sort of opens the door to here's a bunch of work we could be doing, developmental wise. Uh, I mean, audio processing still doesn't seem like a CRUD app feature, like something I oh, want a business to, app. No, yeah, I'm just trying to get a the plain old fashioned app that everybody would use. This would be done faster on it. Is it some kind of uh, a, of query analysis piece?
3: Uh, this is actually a query provider model, yeah. and uh, initially I designed Brahma to run imperative queries, which means you could just say var result equal to query, right? But the problem is that I do a lot of analysis and transformation on the expression tree that I get, so it takes a lot of time. So because the, if you run that inside a, inside a loop, then that's gonna that's gonna take up a lot of time. So I gen, I went with another model, which is basically say compiled queries. So what you do is you, you pass in a link query and you compile a lambda expression and you get a handle to a compiled query. Then you can run it as many times as you want with, with little to no overhead. It's as fast as, as if you had written the shader by hand and set it on the device.
2: You've said shader several times now. And um, for folks who don't know, what the heck is shader?
3: Yeah, okay. Um, shader is basically a piece of code that executes for every pixel that's drawn on the output of the screen, right? So if you want to perform an operation, for example, you want to take some input and multiply it by two, okay? So you would basically write a shader that says return X into two, where X would be your input, and um, then this this thing would run parallelly on as many um, pixel processing units as you have. For example, if you have a really old video card or not, not very powerful video card, it would run a little slower. But if the same shader code was sent to another powerful GPU, it would run way faster. So a shader is, is, is like a kernel that runs um, exactly the same way for all of the pixels on your screen.
2: Can you do an aggregation with that? They take all of those bits of data and add them up?
3: <laughs> that, it's funny you ask that, because I was just going to check that in tonight uh, in Brahma, I've written a small aggregation sample. Uh, uh, the idea is um, I, I was working on several different ways to do aggregation. One was to write a loop in the pixel shader. But then I realized that most folks out there don't have a Shader Model 4 card, which means you can't do a lot of iterations on the GPU. And uh, basically, I, I don't want to limit the audience, so I, you, I used another method, which primarily halves every time. You know, it basically, if you have 10 elements to sum, it sums the first and the second, the third and the fourth, and puts it into a so array that's half the size, and then half the size of that, and half the size of that, and finally you get a one-by-one one array, right. which actually contains a sum.
2: Okay, so, so yeah, you're yeah, doing iteration do theory. But and the implication in what you just said there was that not all GPUs are, are made equal. Right. So how, how much variation are we talking about here?
3: Uh, basically, Brahma supports uh, Pixel Shader 3, and that's the kind of a minimum for running Brahma. Because uh, Pixel Shader 2 is very limited in the number of instructions that it can actually process, but Pixel Shader 3 cards, like you said, are pretty common and they're pretty much required, you know, for for Vista and most of the applications today. So uh, even a GMA uh, Intel GMA cards have have Shader Model 3 support.
2: Oh, okay, so, so I mean, cool. the GMA cards are the ones that are generally built into motherboards.
3: Right, but they're they're pretty slow, but they have support for this stuff.
1: Right, so it's, it's, it's part part of this protocol, and part of this is horsepower. You mentioned that uh, the original version used an IL decompiler, and then you abandoned that in favor of Link. how How exactly does that work? First of all, with with IL, and then Link. I'm not I'm not sure how one replaces another in this case.
3: Okay. Uh, okay. the uh, The original Brahma basically you had to derive from a particular class called GPU program and override a method called execute. And uh, what Brahma used to do was to, when you asked it to run the program on an input, what it used to do was to uh, take your method body and get the IL from it. .NET 2 had this thing called method body as IL or something like that. It had a method that you can get the IL from as a binary stream. Mm -hmm. And then you read that in and then get the IL instructions. From that, I used to build an expression tree or an abstract syntax tree, AST, from it. And using the AST, I used to rewrite that into HLSL. But uh, there were a lot of cases, places where it would completely fail because you'd be accessing a field or calling a method or accessing a property, and that would completely not work.
1: And just again, what is HLSL?
3: HLSL stands for High Level Shading Language, and it's basically the shading language used by DirectX. And uh, OpenGL has an analog of it called GLSL. Okay. And there are some proprietary NVIDIA shading languages called CG and stuff like that. So basically, they're bunch of shading languages out there, which allow you to write this uh, script that compiles down to individual GPU code, but then runs on the GPU itself.
1: So you're essentially taking c or VB.net code, reading the IL, translating that into what the GPU can understand and putting that right on the GPU. And now you're using link instead. So now I imagine that, well, no, I'm not quite sure how you do. Aren't you still reading IL?
3: No. I'm actually using an expression tree. Basically, uh, remember back to when I said I was taking the IL and converting it into an AST or an abstract syntax tree? Yeah. That's exactly what what the C Sharp compiler does for me. So when I give it a a Lambda expression and I say, I don't want a Lambda expression, give me an expression tree of this Lambda expression, um, the C Sharp compiler gives me an expression tree that says these are the terms that make up this expression. For example, if I wanted to add A plus B... It would say, uh, it would give me a binary expression with two parameter expressions called A and B on either side of it and say, that's your lambda. That's what you got to evaluate if you want the result. Okay. So I take this tree and then I convert that into HLSL.
1: I see. It's tricky, huh? That's pretty uh, cool.
3: Yeah. There's a lot of things that don't map properly. For example, uh, if you were to just access a property um, or, or access, uh, access method somewhere in between. So there's still some cases where it can go wrong. But link is more parallel, uh, maps to uh, ma- maps better to parallel programming than the method uh, approach does the IL approach from before. Right. Because if you think about it, a select statement is essentially a vector processor. So you say uh, select some select x into two from this whole data set. So essentially, you have a data set that's the input, and you could run x into two. You could cut the whole input into blocks and have one processor process each block, and the output would be fine, right? So it's essentially parallelizable, which is why I loved Link, and I loved the fact that they exposed the provider model, which allowed me to make Brahma.
2: Well, and there's a few projects out there to do parallel execution on Link. What I like about this one is you're targeting a piece of hardware people already have, so they're going to not only get parallel execution, but offload work from their main processor entirely. Right. So, I'm still getting my head around the kind of hard, like, do I need to buy a special video card for this? Uh, uh, what, uh, can you name some model numbers of uh, a decent card uh, in this space?
3: Um, you could start with a 6,600 GT. That'd probably be one of the lowest and least priced video cards that can run Shader Model 3. It might not very, be very powerful, which means you can do a lot of number crunching on it, but Brahmo will run.
2: Right, and and a, a, a NVIDIA sixty six hundred. That's a few years old now.
3: Yeah, it is, and that that's the reason why I made Brahma because because new newer libraries like CUDA and stuff like that, they, and um, the upcoming uh, computation frameworks. Well, they have a lot to offer, but they're basically moving away from what's what already exists in the mainstream. And I really wanted a way to utilize uh, the current processing power. And, and scale it up to, to what the newer processors can offer. So, which means, essentially, you could have different providers in Brahma, which, which work at different levels. So, the older your hardware, you just use a different provider, and right. everything else stays the same.
2: But, I mean, the point being, an NVIDIA 6600 video card is 50 bucks. Like, there's just no reason not to have one.
3: <laughs> That's true.
2: Right? And then... Like if it jump up to maybe a sixty eight hundred, now you're talking a hundred fifty two hundred dollar card, but that's three or four times more horsepower, right? Right. So at that point, you're talking about something that's really going to crunch numbers fast.
3: Mm hmm. Yep. In fact, some uh, there's a there's a sample on uh, with, with, that comes with Brahma, and it's called the odd even transposition sort. It's actually a parallel number sort algorithm, and um, Uh, The funny thing is that actually I can't trust the same algorithm running on the CPU versus the GPU. Right. And in some cases, the GPU comes out to be five or more times faster than the CPU version.
2: Uh, NVIDIA had a technology, I guess it's still around these days, called CUDA, which was about doing parallel processing like this. Mm -hmm. Do you you work with that? Is there any reason to? Uh,
3: Well, yeah. Actually... The moment I, I abstracted out the provider model for Brahma, I wanted to write a Brahma.cuda. But uh, there are still some things that prevent me from working with Cuda. In fact, there's an excellent uh, cuda.net wrapper available online. I think it's free. and um, But the problem is that Cuda requires me to uh, do an offline compilation of some script into a .cu file. And I'm not really happy with uh, you know running a process in the background which actually executes a command line compiler and there's no way to access using api the the compiler itself so i can't say hey here's this string and why don't you give me a handle to your your cu file right here i don't don't want to go to the command line that's not possible so cuda is not really an attractive option for me right now
2: of course the other thing is that cuda is nvidia specific and up till now i've not got a sense that anything here is specific to anybody's hardware. I'm, I presume ATI cards work. Aren't there dedicated cards for this too?
3: Uh, Well, there are, but, but, the, but the idea is what Brahma works on is, is primarily graphics API. Right. So any card that runs these graphics API should be able to run Brahma. Yes. No, no, no vendor restrictions.
1: What about OpenCL? Isn't that like a, an open source cross platform language?
3: Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> That's, uh, i'm really waiting for opencl but unfortunately opencl preview drivers are only have only been released to nvidia registered developers and organizations so i don't have access to opencl right now and neither do i have access to a dx10 class hardware i think opencl should also be able to run on uh gforce Eight eight XX cards. So that uh, I'm waiting for more information on OpenCL and release. But one thing's for sure: uh, if OpenCL is what they they say it's going to be, I'm definitely there's definitely going to be an Abramov. OpenCL,
2: but that's that's Apple technology, isn't it? OpenCL,
3: right? It Started is, by it is, Apple. It yeah, was, it was started for for I think Snow Leopard. And uh, But the Kronos group is actually going with it, and I did see a posting on the NVIDIA site that said um, ATI and NVIDIA had done demos of OpenCL capabilities, which is pretty cool.
2: So what is OpenCL really going to offer us from a development perspective?
3: Um, OpenCL is going to, first of all, uh, OpenGL, the OpenGL version of Brahma, I had lots of trouble doing it because OpenGL is this really dated API and it has extensions and not very standard standards for doing some things. For example, you don't know if, if on this driver that works well and that driver this works well. So um, OpenGL is kind of getting dated as a GPGPU platform. It's great for graphics, but OpenCL is going to bring standardization to the table.
2: Yeah, because OpenGL is old. Like, that's the thing that AutoCAD used forever. It was, like, the standard for workstation-style uh, graphics.
3: Right, it is. It is. For graphics, it is. But but there's a lot of stuff out there. If you want to do the newer stuff, you got to say, hey, is this extension available? Is that extension available? And finally, in the end, you, you say, hey, you know, there's a whole bunch of things to be done before you can get one task done. Uh, Brahma abstracts all that away from you. Yeah, but... But it was a hard, hard job doing it. Okay. Yeah,
2: it's, that's uh, how those standards sort of evolve. They get to a point where everybody has their own unique solution, and they call it op- Open G- GL. But in the end, your app has to basically run uniquely for each card. Right. And CL is obviously a whole bunch newer, but it's it's not really based on graphics so much. It's just using GPUs to do computation.
3: hmm And it brings standardization to the table. So you're going to have uh, a card that supports Open CL. I'll say, hey, I'll support single precision and double precision, and these are the kind of memories I support, and these are the kind of loop l- loop constructs I support. So there's going to be a whole bunch of standards, and those will actually be standards. So that's good.
2: And that just opens the door to you being able to support more hardware with less effort.
3: Totally, totally.
1: Where do what do you uh, eventually see? Um, where do you see Brahma going? Where do you want to take it?
3: Well, I um, I hope to write more providers for it and um, hopefully OpenCL and the DX11 Compute Shader. These two are definitely uh, candidates. Uh, I- I've had my eye on them for a while, and I think they're definitely going to overtake uh, proprietary um, computation frameworks like CUDA, in the long run, of course. And um, apart from writing more computation providers, I also see Brahma being tied in a lot more with the release of C 5, and maybe evolving Brahma into... M- less of a query language and more of a um, declarative parallel, data parallel programming approach. So I'd really like to see it integrated with, let's say, mono and stuff like that. So it would be basically, you could use parallel programming in everyday .NET tasks.
1: This portion of .NET Rocks is brought to you by our good friends at Telerik, without whom this show would not exist. No doubt you bump into testing tasks now and then in your work. And we can bet writing functional tests is not your favorite thing. It's difficult. It takes ages, and the results could be dubious. Well, get ready to start liking it thanks to Telerik. With the just-launched Web WebAII testing framework, building web automation tests is a breeze. Enjoy code-based automation of advanced ASP.NET AJAX and Silverlight apps Write a single test and have it executed against multiple browsers at once. Benefit from rich API, link support, integration with Visual Studio Unit Testing, unit, XUnit, and MBUnit, not to mention the free wrappers for Telerik RAD controls for ASP.NET AJAX and Silverlight that ship with Telerik's new testing tool. Surely one of its best features, Web WebAII Testing Framework, which is developed by Art of Test, is absolutely free. If you're already hooked on Web AII testing framework, you can start using it right away. Go to Telerik.com for more info. And hey, make sure you thank them for supporting .NET Rocks.
2: I like the idea of doing parallel programming everyday.NET .NET tasks. Uh, but this is still, you're going to have to write an expression to do it. And it is only applicable to certain tasks. So it, it streams to me like we're really going to have to go uh, finding particular problems where we call to this kind of code.
3: Well, I think the problems will find you, because whenever you have code that, that really has these kind of uh, CPU headroom problems, those things call out by themselves, so you know when you're bottlenecked and when you need to move.
2: So you're thinking that uh, I go profile my app, this is now the slowest chunk of my app, and I guess if we're looking for something that's fairly iterative, right? this is not yeah. just a call to a database is slow, It's it's some kind of significant processing we're doing where we could think about re-engineering this into a And GP-GPU. mathematically
1: intensive.
3: Right.
2: But not every... I, I, I'm i just thinking that I can't take the existing chunk of code and just write, wrap a link expression around it and expect the GPGPU to do well with it.
3: No, it, it just won't work like that. Um, you're going to have... See, there's two ways of looking at it. One, your problem is readily... Um, applicable to GPGPU, which means it's it's a domain that's already been exhaustively researched. For example, you could take sparse matrix multiplication or FFTs or image processing. Those have been done to death, right? So those are the easy ones. Let's say you have a domain. For example, there have been people who have been writing to me who want to do things like options pricing on the GPU or some sort of... Uh, a the financial analysis package, which uses a tree data with a lot of numerical computations. Now, how do you go to mapping something like that? Uh, You've got to wrap your head around the problem and re-engineer the algorithm. You've you got to think in terms of queries rather than in terms of saying, hey, I have this data. Can I just loop over it and do something? Or can I put an if condition here? So sometimes you may have to introduce artificial intermediate steps, which actually store intermediate solutions or, or variables and then put that onto the next step. The good thing about Brahma is uh, you can actually use a CPU loop and execute a GPU query inside it. So if I want to run something with, with with or if I want to run something based on some other results from someplace, I can actually put a put a for loop, a regular for loop, and then ask the provider to run a GPU query inside that, which runs a variable number of times. Or I could take the results off of the GPU using Brahma, okay, after asking the provider to run something, and then process the whole thing, the complicated bit on the CPU, and then do the simple bits again, which are probably more complicated, oh, sorry, which are more uh, process, uh, computation intensive on the, on the GPU again, and it's all seamless.
1: Can you take an existing piece of the .NET framework, let's say, or an existing um, DLL or an assembly, and move it onto
3: the GPU? Well, you typically move methods or, or some some pieces of algorithms rather onto the GPU rather than a whole assembly. But what if they call into the?
1: What if they call into the framework?
3: Ah, well, that that's not allowed. So if ah. if, you, if I were to see a, that's not allowed. So there's a whole bunch of things in drama that's not allowed. <laughs> okay. For example, inside a query, you can't access a property. There's a very simple reason for that because the shader is going to be run on, on different pieces of hardware, typically different processors, right? And each call to a property might, might result in a different value. So that's not possible. Uh, so you can access fields, uh, things that don't change, and certain methods, are, you know, like for example, you can call, you can call math.sign. But the, but the idea is it's not really math.sign that's really running, it's, it's converted to the signed version of the HLSL or the GLSL function, and then that's run on the GPU. So there's a okay. whole bunch of things you can't do, but uh, that list is shrinking because I'm trying to make samples on what you can do and what you can't do.
1: Okay.
2: And Yeah, part, yeah, part of this is really coding technique. I can pull that value for that property and, and use it in the expression, but I can't reference the property directly. Correct. All right. Yeah, th- these are some interesting challenges here. Right? Uh, hey, are you using this uh, library outside? Well, you're talking about using it on Mono. Does that mean you think you can make it run on the Mac or make it run on, on a Linux uh, machine as well?
3: On Linux. I have managed to run Brahma on Mono uh, with OpenGL, okay. but unfortunately I'm not really a Linux guy. I wasn't able to get the environment set up, so I'm, I'm still looking for people who can help me get it Running properly on Linux and Mono, but yes, there should be no problems. I even have a context OpenGL context abstraction up there.
2: And you, Brahma, is actually up on SourceForge.
3: Yeah, it is. It's it's released under the uh, uh, Eclipse Public License, which means it's free for commercial and non-commercial use.
1: Wow! So anybody could do what they want with it, pretty much.
3: Yeah, pretty much.
1: What okay. uh, kinds of applications have you seen people writing?
3: Uh, well, there have been people talking to me about financial modeling and image processing. Um, well, there was recently somebody who spoke to me about audio processing. Right. So stuff like that, basically, right now, conventional applications. But there was this one guy who said, "I got this whole bunch of things in the in on uh, in a database, and I want to multiply them by a certain value. You know, it's a very simple operation, but I'd like to know how to use Brahma to do it because." It's basically GBs of data, you know, so.
2: Gigabytes, yeah.
3: Right, so, so that's a more practical, but not a very conventional problem.
2: I'm still thinking about this image processing angle, because obviously this thing would be good at doing image processing, but right now, most average apps, we have images in them, but we don't do much with them just because it's so painful to do. So I'm thinking right. about stuff like image recognition or, or, you know, searching for watermarks, that kind of thing.
3: Um, for example, convolution is is a good example uh Brahma can do things like access your your um, your input, which is basically i call it a data parallel array because that 's what it performs data parallel tasks so you can have one d and two d arrays so let 's assume your image is packed into this little data parallel array two d right? right and uh, you can write a query that selects the sum of a pixel and all its neighbors. So that's the query you say uh, from um the in value select this pixel and all its neighbors so you can do that using indexing so it's it's like writing a query that indexes a 2d array it's, it's pretty straightforward but internally that that computes that, that becomes a pixel shader which then runs really fast on the underlying hardware
2: so and then now you have the thing sorted you let the gpu do the fast sort and now you've got to sort to of do what you want with it right so that's that's kind of cool. That's a clever way to do this. And I'm just thinking those are the little things that would speed up an app just utilizing the hardware at hand, and not really having to write a whole bunch of apps specific to uh, to working with a GPU. How about speech
1: recognition?
3: Speech recognition is another uh, area where it's very useful. For example, and um, but uh, speech recognition in particular, neural networks in general. Neural networks are definitely something that can, you can look at. Speech recognition, anything, anything that involves uh, repetitive number crunching with a lot of calculations running on huge amounts of data.
1: That begs the question, you know, do you think, uh, is Microsoft doing anything to put things other than
3: graphics on the GPU in the .NET space? Um in the .NET space, not really. Um, I do, I do see a lot of work, um, with bringing, um, DX10 and hopefully DX11, uh, onto .NET with, uh, SlimDX. SlimDX is this open source project that's, that's aiming to be a lightweight wrapper, a replacement for the Managed Direct X, which was abandoned by Microsoft in favor of XNA. Um, I hope they bring DX11 to the table, which will help uh, help the managed world take advantage of uh, DirectX. That was another reason to make Brahma, because I love .NET, and um, I wasn't really able to do all the GPGPUs. So, you know, whenever you say GPGPU, everybody's talking about C++, and, you know, you got to do this, you got to do that. Right. you got to write an interface library. So I said, hey, no, I, I, wanna, I want something that just runs in .NET. Yeah,
2: you're just trying to lower the barrier to entry that you can still take advantage of this stuff without... You know, going crazy, having to stop yep. bathing.
1: You know,
3: totally. <laughs> well, I'm wondering. I'm
1: wondering about you know the sappy interface, the speech API. If they could just move that to the GPU, if you know, in the next version or whatever.
2: Yeah, it's something to just take advantage of. That if it's the hardware's there, use
3: it. Yeah, that's that's totally possible.
2: Uh, so, if I want to get into using Brahma, what do I got to do?
3: Um, well, it's pretty simple. Um, the first thing you do is uh, include Brahma in your references, and uh, you you basically have to instantiate something called a comput- computation provider. And this computation provider is like your main 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 guy. You know, he does everything. He gives you data. He can he can compile stuff for you. He can run stuff for you. So then you create a data holder. Which this is this is primarily the data type which all. Uh, your data is represented in in Brahma, and it's called the data parallel array. So you you create one of those, and you fill your data into that. So you can create it as large as uh, as, the, as the textures that are supported by your GPU. For example, on regular GPUs, it goes from it goes up to four thousand ninety six pixels by four thousand ninety six pixels. So you can create data that's that large. Then you fill it up with data, and then uh, you you compile a query using Brahma. Uh, using the provider. So that gives you a handle to a compiled query. And then you can just run this compiled query against any data that you want. You can run it on different data. You can run it on the same data. Um, you can run it in a loop. You can put if conditions around it. So the compiled query bit is what runs on the GPU. The rest run regularly.
2: Okay. And you say like 4096 pixels or 4096 pixels, each pixel represents a byte.
3: Each I... pixel represents a RGBA um, vector, which means each of them is a float. Okay. Four Sounds floats. Good. Four floats. Uh, Brahma supports internally uh, four data types, which is float, vector two, vector three, and vector four. So you can transparently treat uh, a data parallel array. It's generic, so you don't have to type. Uh, you don't have to cast it. So you just say data parallel array of float or vector 2, vector 3, vector 4, whatever, and each element is then a vector 2, vector 3, vector 4.
2: All right, and, and you're, you are describing here 16 megabytes worth of of floats then, or 16 million floats. Right. And that's, is that sort of the upper limit? If we're talking about gigs of data, we've got to break it into this 4K by 4K chunks?
3: Well, you could do it in multiple ways. For example, you could buffer it and then run run the query against pieces of the buffer, uh, or you could you could go for a video card that supports large, larger textures, texture sizes than that. So there's a whole bunch of options available, and that depends on specifically your problem and the, the, the power of the video card that you're running the stuff on. Right. But yeah, you could do a whole bunch of things.
2: Yeah, and I'm thinking some of these video cards these days have literally a gig of RAM in them.
3: <laughs> yeah, more than that, 1.7 yeah. gig, the last I heard.
2: Yeah, so like we could load some pretty hefty things into that video card. That's right. And yep. I'm just thinking in terms of transfer time, like physically moving that much data, even in on the bus of the machine, is going to take a while.
3: Yeah, it will. So, so that's that's potentially your bottleneck. What you're going to want to do is is perform more computations and less on on data transfer time. So you're going to want to transfer some stuff and then and then perform the computation. And, um, well, I, I I work on some applications that require heavy data transfer, so I transfer a full HD frame, you know, that's 1,920 by 1080 pixels from yeah. the GPU to the CPU, and I find that, well, it's acceptable. You know, you're you're able to get a fair amount of data down from the uh, GPU to the CPU, so it, it's not really that bad. As long as you buffer your data and, and structure your algorithm in a pretty clever way, so either one of them don't get bogged up.
2: Well, I mean, an HD frame is 2 megabytes. So Sorry? That's a, a, an HD frame, like 1920 by right. 1080, that's about 2 megabytes, right? That's right. So, that, I mean, that's a, that's, I wouldn't want to count that by hand, but on a bus running at, at 666 megahertz, like, that's not very long.
3: No, that's not very long at all. But when you're talking about, uh, you know, pumping out frames or, or receiving data in a stream that's that's quite large, and you're going to have to do this in chunks, that comes down to quite a lot because that's a decent bit of uh, CPU time. Your bus gets locked up and you can't do anything with your GPU during that time. Stuff like yeah, that. if
2: you want 30 of those a second, you've got troubles.
3: <laughs> right, exactly. You want to minimize that, but you also want to keep that option open so uh, so that you can process some stuff on the CPU and and move the data in chunks Buffer it, move it to the GPU in chunks, get the data back so that your application can proceed while still using the GPU.
2: And I, I guess there is a balance here of some of the, the pre work the CPU needs to do, then offload to of the GPU. I'm like just hoping that one doesn't block the other.
3: Well, right now, that's something I'm looking at because right now, every method in Brahma is blocking, which means when you say provided at run, it doesn't return until. Uh, the rendering is complete right, so that's something that blocks right now. Asynchronous calls are something I 'm looking at right now, but uh, it'll take a while because it 's not really that simple to guarantee that the that the pixel shader has executed and the results are available for you to use on the GPU plus i don 't transfer all of the data each time. So for example, let's say you're running this um, query which generates uh, an output, right? and you run it in a, in a loop, and you do hundreds of iterations. So between each iteration, the data is available only on the GPU. The okay. moment you access it is when I bring it back to the CPU. So that is like a, you know, it's like an amortized constant time. So you, you you lose performance for just that one axis, and then, boom, it's back to being fast because all the data is now on the CPU too.
2: Right. And And when you're talking about blocking, you are talking about blocking just a thread. You're not blocking the entire processor here.
3: No, no, not the entire process, just the yeah.
2: thread. So I mean, the, the point being, there's a thread tied up to live to live with the behavior of the GPU. That, to me, seems pretty fair. We have other threads.
3: Right, exactly.
2: Okay. I mean, it, yeah, the, the, these seem to be the real normal constraints of, okay, I'm going to hand a thread over to this, I'm going to feed work to it. Every time I reference it, I mean, I like the fact that I only when I reference it, are you going to haul it back. That's good thinking rather than hauling it back all the time. Because I could see where you do several iterations of calculations without hauling everything back. So not having to do that extra work.
3: Totally. That saves a lot of bandwidth.
2: It still sounds like this is not uh, for the faint of heart, working with GPUs. like It's not something I can just drop in and it's going to work. You've got to think through your problem differently and and definitely do some playing around.
3: Yeah, well, uh, GPUs aren't for the faint of heart. That's for sure. (laughs) But i would say that that yeah it isn't really there's a whole bunch of things you got to do differently in fact you got to you got to wrap your head around the algorithm a little differently uh, but but the idea is uh, to do gpgpu before you needed to not only wrap your head around the algorithm you also needed to do things like set up the uh, context or the device and write the shader in a text file read that back you know compile it Um, do API-specific things like create textures, check their uh, texture formats and stuff like that. Now, Brahma completely abstracts all of that away from you. You create a data parallel, you write a query, and you're done. So the idea is it's really good for rapid prototyping, you know? And I do that myself. For example, when I did my Mandelbrot sample, which is up, up on the Brahma site, i I really didn't know how to translate it to to the GPU just as easily. So I used Brahma and wrote a quick prototype, you know, and I was able to change things around, try different pieces of logic, do a whole bunch of things with very less effort. You know it's just changing the query, uh, declaring a field somewhere, and accessing the field from inside the query, and everything just works. so it's it's really easy to give different things a shot, and it doesn't really require so many different pieces of engineering. You can just run it, and it either runs or it doesn't. So,
2: and definitely lowers the barrier to experimenting with this.
1: Exactly. Yeah, let me ask it again. What are what are some of the other constraints that uh, things you can't do in Brahma that people are bound to run up against?
3: Well, you can't write um, multi-line delegates. That's not allowed because uh, anyway, it's a lambda expression, so I, you can get an expression tree out of a multi-line delegate. So you can do that. And if you want to use conditionals, you're going to have to use ternary operators. So if you want a nested if, that's a pretty nasty ternary you're going to have to come up against. Um, so that's, that's kind of like a little, little bit of a stumbling block. And uh, you can use only certain mathematical functions which are documented. And, um, well, they're not, they're not fully documented, but the wiki is really coming up now. Um, so you can use, a, use only a bunch of functions. Basically, the ones that are translatable to the, their GPU equivalent, uh, not just any old thing. That's usually a small set, isn't it? That's a pretty small set, yes. But um, used with queries and with multiple queries, you can you can actually pretty much do do wonders.
1: Okay. I, I like the fact that you named it after the god of creation. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> what uh What do you What do you plan for future versions?
3: Well. Um, Right now, there's going to be a bunch of releases to do with aggregates and uh, basically things that you can do like minimum, maximum, sum. I'm I'm concentrating on writing samples, getting documentation up because the Brahma is usable right now, but what I really need are ways to to showcase what it can do. You know, like you said, what's an algorithm that fits well? So I want to write a neural network, or I want to do an FFT sample, stuff like that. So that's that's more in the immediate uh, vicinity but um,
1: things to do this summer write a neural network nice but it is on sourceforge <laughs> so you are
2: looking for contributors
3: i'm definitely looking for contributors uh, first and foremost for people who help me run it on linux cuz cuz that is once once it does that it just completely doubles the audience that that can use this thing
2: wow for sure yeah lots of and and yeah lots of folks would be interested in that plus there's no reason this wouldn't run on a mac
3: well, I'm not sure it it I, I'm not sure, but if it runs in OpenGL and if there's a.NET framework for the Mac, it will run. If Mono runs on it and OpenGL runs on the Mac, Brahma should run there. I see no reason why it shouldn't.
1: And if Microsoft is listening, I'd like to see the uh speech recognizer engine uh translated to run on in the GPU. Hint hint.
3: Oh that would be great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, if Microsoft is listening, I have a bunch of features that I would love in C Sharp Five.
1: <laughs> because I hate it when my grammar is so big that it takes five seconds for the thing to recognize me. Ah, don't you hate uh, that? Oh, really? No.
2: I'm just yeah, you know, that's the one thing we haven't asked there, Anas. So, how much faster is the GPU on these kinds of problems? You talked about your uh, your Mandelbrot computation. What was the performance difference?
3: Well, for example, I I didn't test the Mandelbrot against the CPU implementation, but I did test a sort. And it came out that the lesser the number of computations you do on the GPU, the CPU wins. So, for example, when I was just sorting, let's say, uh, floats, the CPU was winning because uh, the co- compilation and the data transfer took more time than the CPU took to actually sort the um, floats. But I, right. when I started sorting uh, vectors by length, you know, so I had to actually compute the, the length of each vector and then sort them the GPU won by 5 to 10 times more.
2: I like it when we get that kind of benefit. Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah, and, and uh, there's a guy who wrote in to me who said I did some benchmarks of Brahma against Microsoft Accelerator, which was actually a framework from uh, the Microsoft research team, and he said that Brahma was faster. I haven't done any research myself on this, but I got somebody who wrote into me who said that.
1: The website is Brahma, B-R-A-H-M-A dot And uh, Ananth, thank you very much. This is great stuff.
3: Thank you. Thank you for having me on the show. It was great talking to all of you.
1: And hopefully uh, next version that comes out, we'll, we'll talk again.
3: Yeah, of course.
1: Okay, and we'll see you next time on .NET Rocks.